everybody. Welcome, welcome. I hope you guys are all doing well. I hope you guys, uh, it's Friday night. It is Friday night. You guys are here live with me, Mr. Marka, the Bearded Truth, Jason Lyon. Thank you guys for joining in tonight. Um, hopefully you guys enjoyed your week. Hopefully it was fun filled and, uh, <clears throat> the work week grind was not too much for you guys. Uh, I know, I know for over here is a little bit testing. Um, no, nah, I'm just kidding. It was fine. Um, Hope you guys are doing all right. Like I said, thanks for joining in tonight. I am Mr. Murka, the Bearded Truth, Jason Lyon. I hope, I hope um, that you guys um, are excited for tonight's show. We've got a lot to, to unpack. Um, but first, let's give a big shout out to Muddy Waters Media for giving me a platform to come out here, talk to you guys, share my views, my opinions, um, and and what's going on in my world um, and my, my stances. Sorry, I'm I'm trying to fix the gain over here a little bit. I'm trying to do some of that plus or minusing, as Dennis Prager would say on his show. Um, there we go. All right, it looks like we're we're gonna be good. Noise suppression. We're gonna turn. Wait, no, that was a noise compressor. There we go. Um, we're gonna we're gonna turn that up a little bit more. There we go. All right, we've got we've got Spike Cohen in the comment section. Welcome in, man. Um, so yes, thank you, Muddy Waters Media, for giving me a platform to to reach out to you guys with my views, my opinions, and uh, my stances. Before we get started, Janine fifty four says, "Why are American men growing Middle Eastern beards?" Uh, I don't know why Americans would would grow would take beards from the Middle East and attach them to their faces. Uh, but I would like to call mine the freedom beard, uh, the freedom from the Navy, the freedom of, of getting out of the military and not being required to shave. That's why I have my beard. And uh, it, it is not in any way reflective of the Middle East and the problems that go on over there. But it was a good question. Thank you for asking. Uh, with that, guys, we have a lot to get through tonight. No Middle Easterner would have a beard that straight. Mm. Somebody knows the beard straightener's been getting used. Oh, no, I left mine on. I'll have to text my wife and let her know. <laughs> um, bear with me for one moment, please, everyone, while I uh, let my wife know there's a fire hazard in the bathroom. <laughs> please turn off the beard straightener. That's right. Uh, even... Even Mr. Merck of the Bearded Truth has has issues, leaves on the beard straightener. When the game, the beard game is too strong to be turned off on its own, so you got to go and get it yourself. Well, so tonight's show, what we're going to be talking about, a little bit of Joe Biden. Joe Biden flipping, flopping, and having a good old time. Let's not worry about, let's not worry about the principles. Let's not worry about what you've been on uh, for, you know, since it was implemented in 1973. Ignore those stances. What you got to worry about is, is... How are you going to satisfy the left? Those that are unhinged on the left, you gotta be, you gotta be on their side. So we're gonna talk about that. <clears throat> we're gonna talk a little bit more about the the Mexican border and that situation down there because that right there, that right there has been spurring up a lot of of animosity and anger um, from the Democrats, from the Republicans, from from Trump, and from the the Mexican government themselves. So we're gonna talk about that. Um, I'm going to leave you guys hanging with a, a, a serious question with a, a former uh, Arkansas state senator and a situation going on down or that recently occurred down there. Um, and then we will also going to talk 
about a, a grotesque, an absolute grotesque, reprehensible action that the government has done um, in Indianapolis or in Indiana. So uh, we'll, we'll start off with this. We'll start off with this wonderful little tidbit of information. So down there in the Seventh Circuit, the United States Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit, they had USA versus Paul Huskinson. And this was argued January 14th, 2019, and decided on June 5th, 2019. So five months to figure this out. I want to just read to you guys. Well, first, let, let me lay out the premise for you guys. We all understand that everyone has their Fourth Amendment rights, which is the right to your property, to have any privacy for your uh, your property, your papers, and your effects. So you have your own little bubble that the government doesn't get to get involved with. It doesn't get to go in and, and stomp all over your stuff and go, we're going to just check open your car. We're going to break open your car. We're going to go through your house. And we're going to see if we can make you a criminal. Um, that's not, it's not kosher. That's not the way of the government. Now, if they were to do that, if they were to illegally search your property, your car, your whatever it is, if they were to illegally do so and obtain damning information or, or information that would be make you a criminal, it would actually be what's called in legal terms fruit of the poisonous tree, which means basically if you have something that was unlawful, and we've talked about this when it comes to uh, President Trump and, and the Mueller investigation and um, the unlimited authority that was given to Mueller and, and everything else, but bringing that to, to the situation, and, and we'll get into the details here in a second, um, if you have the fruit of the poisonous tree, all that damning information is suddenly now just null and void. It's, it's, it's debunked, it's thrown out, and now you, because of the Fifth Amendment, you can't be charged on it again. Well, Mr. Mr. Hoskins, or Huskinson, here in this this situation, he had his house searched. He had his house searched um, by the DEA. And the DEA found drugs within the house. And they found drugs. That's bad, right? Drugs are bad if you're into that kind of thing. Um, I'm I'm certainly not one of those people, but you know, let's let's just go through it from a legal standpoint. So the government comes in, the DEA comes in, checks out the house, finds drugs, finds some drugs in this man's house, and then and then they decide to go. Hmm, you know how we make this legal? We're going to apply for a search warrant after the fact. A couple hours after. A couple hours after they've uh, obtained the damning information, they then go and and apply for a search warrant. So here's here's between the defense counsel and Kinney. Uh, Kinney was a uh, representative for the DEA. After entering and securing that residence, you are going to ask for consent to search for Mr. Huskinson. So after entering and securing the residence, you were going to ask for consent to search for Mr. Huskinson. Yes, 
or Kenny responds, yes, should we find the methamphetamine, gather it, gather a consent to search. If it was not granted, obtain a search warrant. So they were either going to obtain, they were going to obtain the, the stuff, ask for permission to, to obtain the stuff. And if not, uh, we'll go ahead, go get a search warrant. So the defense counsel says, okay, so if you didn't get consent, you were going to start the process for obtaining a warrant. Yes. So no part of the plan was to start the process for obtaining a warrant prior to the entry into Huskinson's residence. That's correct. Yes. So Mr. Kenny here is openly saying you have no right to your privacy. We can go into your home. We can collect whatever it is that we want to, even if we have a suspicion of guilt. We can collect this information, and then we can worry about due process later. Kind of like that quote that not a lot of people like. Take the guns and worry about due process later. And so, this is absolutely 100% unconstitutional, and it's a huge fundamental issue. In the conclusion, we all agree the DEA entry team entered Mr. Huskinson's house unlawfully. We do not condone this illegal behavior by law enforcement. The better practice is to obtain a warrant before entering a home. This is in the conclusion. Ordinarily, the evidence found here would be excluded. But because the government had so much other evidence of probable cause and had already planned to apply for a warrant before the illegal entry had already planned to apply for a warrant before the illegal entry, the evidence is admissible. So the government illegally enters somebody's home and says, man, we might start applying for the search warrant later. It's okay. It's all right. We got our buddies over there, the judges. They're going to protect us. They like the boots just as much as we do. We, we're going to be, we're going to be so much, we're going to be so high. We're going to have all these methamphetamines. Take the drugs out of it. Say it's a bump stock. Say it's a, I don't know. What's something stupid that's illegal? Because we already got drugs and I already said bump stock. You have an expired vehicle. They go into your home and they slap down on your dinner table. Fine. Your car's in your garage and it's expired. Ugh. Oh, well, they illegally went into it, but they were going to get the search warrant. So it's okay, guys. Don't worry. The government's not here to tread on you. The government is here to for your protection, for your safety. We are here for you. Mm. This, this is the stuff that is absolutely disgusting. Where is the SE flag? Don't you support local control? <laughs> Eric, you ask a great question, and I have failed you on that one. Uh, we will, I'll get an SE flag up there. Okay, I'll, I'll get one up there. Uh, we, we will be rearranging, so I got time for that. Welcome in, Rocco G-Man. All right. <sighs> yep. All right, so down there on the southern border, right, Mexico, we talked a little bit about this on Monday because at the time the uh, the stance was was that President Trump was going to implement a 5% tax or a 5% tariff, synonymous, um, against Mexico in order to make sure that they actually took a stand 
against the illegal immigration coming into this country. Now, for those of you who have not been following it uh, very closely, if you haven't been seeing the numbers, here just in May, or just this last month in May, 132,000, almost 133,000 um, Southwest border total apprehensions. The numbers are climbing. It is climbing rapidly. In, in October of last year, 51,000, 52,000 in November, 50, 51,000 in December. January is 48. And then the stark ramp up. Uh, 67,000 uh, apprehensions at the border in February. 93,000 in March. April had 99,000. In May, 133,000 apprehensions at the border. There are people trying to come into this country. Now, we've known in the past that government officials have been involved in South America and, and other areas of of the world, encouraging illegal immigration to come here, saying, look, you come to America, we'll take care of you. We'll put you on welfare. We'll, we'll provide you with the goods and services. You'll get health care. You'll get whatever it is that you really need. Be backed by you and me, the American taxpayer. Now, of course... We won't get into the, to the weeds of all of that, but but the point is is that there's a, a, a very large increase in the number of people trying to transit across the southern border, and so this is one thing that that has uh, got Trump really worked up and, and ramped up and ready to to take a stand. And so he wanted to impose the five percent tax down there on Mexico, uh, and that was going to be effective. I believe it was on the tenth. Now, right, wrong, or indifferent, it's it's not something, right? The tariffs are not actually something that the president has authority over. I know that President Trump has been pushing these tariffs all over the place. He's been pushing it against China. He pushed against the UK, pushed some against uh, Canada, right? Trump has been doing this a long time. But in Article 1, Section 8, that is actually is where the powers are delegated and the powers are delegated to Congress, Um which leads us to this story. The Hill had an article on Tuesday. On Tuesday, Senator Rand Paul said President Trump would solidify opposition to tariffs on Mexico if he justified the levies by arguing there was a national emergency at the border. Paul, an outspoken libertarian, said on CNN Tuesday that an emergency declaration would infringe on Congress's power of the purse and mandate over creating laws. Really, tariffs laws have to originate with Congress, and I think you just can't declare emergencies on spending on tariffs and also on arms sales. He said, referring to a potential arms sale to Saudi Arabia that has faced staunch opposition in Congress. I hope you guys remember that one. So, real quick recap, because if I don't mention Yemen on a show, I'm not I'm not a real libertarian. So, President Trump uh, pushed through and said basically it was a national emergency that we have to sell a, several billion dollars worth of arms to Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia then accepts these arms, um, intelligence officers and, and military act or uh, military support in order to keep bombing the people of Yemen in order to create a blockade, preventing them from getting food and water to their people and preventing them from getting medical support. So. This has received a lot of, uh, of opposition, and even there in the House, 
in the Senate. They had actually pushed a bill through, and they said, look, we condemn this action. Let's not support Saudi Arabia anymore, and let's actually support Yemen, which actually has a couple of national emergencies, which would fall into protecting the people of Yemen. President Trump practiced his second veto in office on just that. So, <clears throat> so we continue. So I think what you may be finding if we try to run government by emergency is it may solidify opposition. Even people like myself who are largely supportive of President Trump, largely supportive of his initiatives, I can't be for letting the president have all the power that the Constitution gave to Congress. Trump appears determined to slap tariffs on Mexico despite the Republican opposition saying the move is necessary to force America's southern neighbor to take more stringent action to prevent illegal border crossings. A 5% tariff on Mexico imports is scheduled to take effect Monday and would steadily rise to 25% if Trump is dissatisfied with Mexico's efforts. Now, we have had a response. We have had a response. The U.S. and Mexican officials are closing in on the deal that would dramatically increase Mexico's immigration enforcement efforts and give the United States far more power to deport Central Americans seeking asylum, the Washington Post is reporting. Sources caution that the accord is not finalized and that President Trump might not accept it. Now, what is in here is actually, I think, is... is um, pretty fair on the side of Mexico. I think that they, they're showing that they're going to be doing something. They're going to be doing more than what they are doing. Um, the, the bullet points are, are as follows. Central Americans seeking refuge will be required to apply for asylum in the first foreign country that they set a foot upon after fleeing their homeland. This is international law. This is the normal process for seeking asylum. You don't get to travel all around the world seeking asylum and, and you must go to the first uh, first country that you set foot upon. The U.S. will be allowed to immediately deport Guatemalan asylum seekers who enter the U.S. back to Mexico and could send Honduran and Salvadorian asylum applicants to Guatemala. Mexican officials have pledged to deploy, deploy up to 6,000 National Guard troops to the country's border with Guatemala, which they will make immediate reductions in the number of Central Americans heading north towards the U.S. border. So they're going to bring their, their troops, their National Guard, down to the southern border, prevent um, some of the movement across. Now, Mexico is not held to the same standards as, as the American troops would be along our southern border. Um, so it would be interesting to see the way that their uh, their logistics would work out if if their military is able to detain people and be able to arrest people or um, be able to do a little more than what um, the capabilities of <coughs> pardon me of what the American troops are able to do. That's certainly something that we got to be look at. And Mexico will build more migrant detention centers and checkpoints to catch Central Americans and deter their passage. So this is all around. This is all around the idea of trying to prohibit people coming across our southern border. So now that we have such high numbers, we've seen some of the media coming out and saying, hey, look, there is an actual issue. There is a, a little bit of a crisis down there on the southern border. Um, you have Trump, who's been largely or been calling for that in a while. Um, it's been a while as you straighten your beard. I did straighten my beard. Thanks for asking, Mark. I don't know why I get, don't get Facebook posts on here. Um, oh, I know why. Never mind. Um, <clears throat> so they, 
there's the issue there. The media has been getting on board with it, and that's been kind of interesting. And <clears throat> but the Democrats still are not in in support of of trying to help uh, reduce the number of legal immigrants coming across the country. So Trump is is really working not even within the bounds of his own country, but he's working outside and he's trying to use these tariffs. And I, I do have to agree with Rand Paul on the idea that this is not a power afforded or delegated to the to the president, but a power delegated to Congress. And so therefore he needs to kind of uh, mind his own a little bit. Now he can of course go and encourage Congress to pass these things, but he needs to at least seek their counsel and, and try to push that through their way. Um, I'm going to read these comments real quick from Spike. Cohen, Americans are being taxed to pressure Mexico's government to commit even more human rights abuses than they already do. The crisis created by government regulations on migration are the same thing as the crisis created by the war on drugs. Remove the regulations and the black market goes away. Hmm. That is, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there is a, a lot of truth to that. Now, certainly, I think that there's also, when you look at uh, what the government has been proven to to do and i believe the 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 group was like ngo i think it was uh they would go down and 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 talk to people in guatemala and uh, other south american countries and say look come to america we'll take care of you so they've also encouraged it in the past so there's still maybe the idea that america is all about freedom um i believe that even the mexican um president was even talking about hey look Come to America. Well, they'll take care of you up there. They want the migrants. They want these people. They want um, as many people coming into the country as possible. And so the outsiders are also help supporting the idea that uh, the immigration is free and open and, and people come here willy nilly. And it's just like it's just like Sweden. They'll take everyone and anyone. Um, but, yeah, no, the, the, the entire immigration topic is, is certainly one that. Um, we we need to reduce the incentive for people coming here, and one of those is is the uh, is the war on drugs, right? Because when you have the war on drugs and you're not able to produce these drugs and you're not able to grow these drugs here in America, despite the fact that they could be, um, that means that you're going to be pushing for cartels. Drug cartels will be bringing in their drugs to sell it on the black market, just like what Spike was saying. When you have when you don't have um, uh, <clears throat> when you have welfare. When you have to where people um, can live off of one another, that is another big incentive for people, right? If I can come here and I can get free health care, why, why would I go live in another country where I don't get health care, right? We see, this, we see this even from people here in this country where they say, look, you know, America is not great because we don't have free health care. We, we should be like these other countries that have free health care. We want to, and we, the, the left, want to incentivize people to be here by giving them more things. And so when we have a giant overburdening uh, welfare state or system, that's just an incentive for people being here. So that's two big reasons. Another big reason why people want to come here, and we've, we've brought in people, plenty of people from the Middle East, is our foreign policy. Our foreign policies, our, our wars around the world, um, our military actions that many people don't even know about. How many how many countries do you think that we're in right now and how many countries are we in an armed conflict um, within right now? Anyone? Right? It's 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 absurd. And so we create people that become um that their entire lives get turned upside down and then they flee anywhere around the world that they can get to. 
So we we have so many different methods that the American government is incentivizing the illegal illegal immigration and they never want to actually address that. What they want to what they want to do is they want to incentivize it. But then they want to put up barriers and and try to prevent people coming in. And then they're like, oh, I don't understand why there's this crisis. I don't understand why there's so many people that want to come here. Well, when you promise them everything on a silver platter, when you give them a a economic incentive to be here, they're going to be making decisions like that. They're going to be wanting to come here, whether they are actually truly uh, uh, an economic migrant, somebody that's just coming to work. Or if it's somebody that just knows that the grass is greener on the other side and they want to come here. it We create this this burden and this problem and, and people get spun up and they get excited about let's just have the government solve the problem that the government created. And we, we, we keep getting into this, this, uh, this level of insanity where we just keep advocating for the same thing to fix the problem of the same thing. It, it, it truly is... Uh, it's a spectacle. It is a spectacle for sure. Um, <coughs> pardon me. So I'm just I'm ready for this whole entire thing of the southern border to be done and over with. I don't think that the wall is coming still. I don't I don't think that we're going to be seeing any big movement on there. But I can see at least that the numbers are growing quite starkly and and there there certainly could be an issue there and and certainly right you have to worry about health conditions you have to worry about um the livelihood of the uh the border patrol agents of of everyone else so i don't get why that's not working economic migrant is a greener grass migrant that that is okay yeah you got me there you got me there um but it, I would say that a greener grass migrant could be somebody that just believes in the, the 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 freedom, the freedom over here on the greener grass. And an economic migrant would be somebody that's coming for economic purposes because their country is is a quote unquote shithole. And the welfare state, the drug war, and the current foreign policy initiatives, and you saw most immigration issues. Absolutely, Shane Sweeney, welcome in, my good sir. If you guys don't know who Shane Sweeney is, he is second vice chair of SCLP. Great man, great guy. I'm excited for your for your uh, your big day coming up. Your your marriage to the state. That's right. I'm calling you out here and now. <laughs> Thanks, ex extorus low man. Thanks for. Oh wait, no, is that that might be that might be Mark. If that's Mark, welcome in, my good sir. Wonder, I wonder if Guatemala, Honduras, etc. think their countries are exceptional too. Hmm. Who knows? Everyone thinks that they're a little bit better than the rest. And, and certainly some of them should not have such a, a blasphemous idea. I'm sorry. If you live in Venezuela and you still have like a... a, a, a your country is the greatest country ever. You need to go figure out if you're wiping with toilet paper or money again. So, uh, beard battle! <laughs> Oh, Shane doesn't want that. Shane does not want that. That's my YouTube name. All right. Welcome in, Mark. All right. Uh, so, Joe Biden. Joe Biden. My favorite, my favorite guy that does my least favorite things, such as touching little girls all the time. 
even after he promises, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna respect the space a little bit until I get some shoulders in front of me. Um, yeah, Joe Biden. Joe Biden comes out and he's like, I still support the Hyde Amendment. Now, if you guys don't remember what the Hyde Amendment was, the Hyde Amendment is uh is comes from back from uh, what was it, 1973. 1976, I apologize. 1976 was passed um, as part of a appropriations bills for what is now the Department of Health and Human Services. It is renewed every year with occasional changes to the made to the list of exceptions. Now, what this is, is that this is um, preventing the federal government from funding for abortion. Something that a lot of people agree with, right? I don't have to, you know, not to get into the pro-choice, pro-life thing, my money doesn't go to your decisions. My money doesn't go to whatever actions you deem to be fit. This is a form of redistribution of wealth in, in some small aspect. Now, it's not full on, um, not a full on big old thing, but it it, it certainly is one that um, that is there, right? It's it is yes, Henry Hyde. Um, it is certainly a big issue. And so the Hyde Act was there to prevent this from, from going on there. There was a small list of, of exceptions, such as uh, incest or rape, where Medicaid could be paying for this. Now, Joe Biden has been in support of this basically since it, it, it came around. He's been on board with the idea that the federal government shouldn't be supporting this. And just over the last week, he comes out and he says that again. He says, I support this. Elizabeth Warren comes out and was like, <laughs> Joe Biden, mm, you may be touching little little girls and stuff like that. You may be touching older girls. You may be touching girls of all type, but you ain't got nothing on me. I'm Focahontas, boys and girls. And so she's like, no, no, no. Let's get rid of the Hyde Act. Let's utilize federal tax money. The money that comes from all 50 states, let's let's bring that back to the women. Let's bring that back to, to health care. Let's bring that back to reproductive rights. Let's get rid of the Hyde Amendment. And she calls out Joe Biden. And so Joe Biden, after receiving the big backlash from the left, how dare you? How dare you, sir? How dare you? You dare say that the tax money from all of the people across this land should not be paying for abortions? And so Joe Biden does what Joe Biden does best, and that is touch a little girl and then thought about it, tussled her hair a little bit. And then he goes, all right, I've made my decision. I've been thinking about this, boys and girls, men and women across the land. I've decided that it is unacceptable to believe in the Hyde Amendment. We must, we must change and so he is no longer on board with this. He has completely flipped on the idea, and now he is in favor of federal funds being used um, for abortion. Good thing Joe Biden is so principled. Good thing that Joe Biden can remain consistent on anything but the things that we don't like him doing, that anybody out there shouldn't like him doing. But Joe Biden does what Joe Biden does best, and that is um, go the way of the people. Because he's all about democracy. I just moved that picture. Hmm. Um, he's all about democracy, guys. He's all about Oregon, who just passed 
the uh you know the i don't care about oregon populace bill um expected to go to their governor here soon to say look national popular vote that's the way we're voting soon as we get the enough electoral votes and so joe biden is a man of democracy boys and girls he's not a fan of the republic he's not a fan of of individual liberty or anything else he is a man that just says the left tells me i have to tow this line and i'm towing this line because i need that opportunity i need the chance to really come through and make sure that I become president of the United States. As the leader of, of the, the pack of 533 Democrats running right now, i got to be in front. Go to your comment real quick. Spike Cohen, anyone who thinks Biden is going to keep his sudden promises to progressives during a primary, during a primary haven't paid attention to his promise to stop fondling little girls. Mm. Can he maintain this promise for more than a month? We will see. Stay tuned, boys and girls. It's time to see. Mm. Treating pregnancy like an illness or accidental injury, so let's pay for it. No, let's not pay for it. I'm not interested in paying for people's medical bills. I, it's it, okay. Let's go through the medical medical thing real quick. The healthcare thing. I understand that there's other countries out there that don't uh, abide by the idea of individual liberty. I understand that there's countries out there that think that the collective is more important than the individual. I understand that there's countries out there that have a much higher tax rate than what we have here in America. I understand that there's a lot of things out there that other countries do that America doesn't do. But when it comes down to it, here in America, the presumption or the, the idea that this country was founded upon was individual liberty. And one of those things means that you are responsible for your life, your liberty, your pursuit of happiness. And the only thing that the government should ever be doing, it was sarcasm. Okay. But it's fine. We're going to, we're going to go through with this anyways. Um, <clears throat> that one of the things that the government should be doing and the only thing that the government should be doing is to protect life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Not provide life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, but but to protect it. And so, therefore, on those grounds, the government is supposed to be there and say, look, somebody wants to infringe upon your life. Somebody wants to take away your liberties. Somebody wants to take away your pursuit of happiness or your property. And they should be there to help ensure that that doesn't happen. So when it comes to healthcare, when it comes to any of the welfare services, when it comes to anything where the government is getting inherent or uh, intrinsically involved with these things in the markets and the healthcare's and, and commerce and and um, even even transactions outside of the country, these are really uh, overstepping the bounds of what the Constitution was supposed to be, and and certainly a fundamental issue there. Um, so yes, let's give let's just keep them let's keep the government out of our healthcare. All right. I wonder if we would get by. I wonder if I would get in trouble if he placed his hand on my daughter's shoulder and I hit him. If I would get in trouble, or if I could claim he was assaulting my child. Hmm. I would. I would. I would not put it past. Right. I would. I would do the same thing. I would be punching Joe Biden. I would be like Joe Biden. We're going behind this locker room, and I'm taking you out. Hmm. I understand that taxation is theft. It, it It's not theft. It's extortion. <laughs> He's the designated heir of, or heir of President Obama. He has to do what he needs to be done to get elected. Absolutely. Unless it's gun grab all of them. Yes. Joe Biden is a, is a bad guy. All right. Joe Biden is, is... Joe Biden came in and one of the things that he was really talking about one of the things that Joe Biden was talking about when he was coming in before he officially announced uh, 
um, was that he was a man that's kind of in the center that was going to bring bring people from the left, bring people maybe from the right that are are disassociated with Trump, and and bring people to him because he was more of a centrist. And now that he's kind of, or now that he is the front runner, now that he's got all the support behind him, because I think Democrats really like people who touch little girls. Um, I realize I'm harping on that a lot, but it's, I think it's grotesque enough that we can. Um, now that, now that he's got all this support, he's just driving so far to the left, just driving. And so I want to read this, uh, Washington's, uh, Washington state journal article. Joe Biden's advisor said a month ago that he planned to pitch his climate agenda to the middle ground. Well, either the middle ground or the ground or both must have shifted because on Tuesday, the former vice president unveiled a sweeping plan for a clean energy revolution in environmental justice. It's amazing. Whenever you put like a word before justice, right? Social justice, environmental justice, economic justice. It's never about justice. It's all about virtue signaling. That's really, that's really what it is. That's really what it is. The direct price for this green fever dream is $1.7 trillion in federal funds over 10 years. That's less than the $3 trillion proposed by Washington Governor, Governor Jay Inslee, but it's more than Beto O'Rourke's $1.5 trillion plan. One, okay. Mr. Biden would pay for it by reversing the excesses of the Trump tax cuts for corporations, reducing incentives for tax havens, evasions, and outsourcing, and ensuring corporations pay their fair share closing other loopholes and other tax increases that are unlikely. Man. So you hear that, boys and girls? Joe Biden wants to raise your tax rates. If he doesn't want to raise your tax rates in, uh, directly, he will raise the corporate tax races, or rates, and then you'll have to pay the corporations more money in order to purchase those goods and services. And so then you're still getting taxed at a higher rate. Yay, Joe Biden! Thank you, Joe Biden. I've always wanted to support somebody who's going to raise my taxes, even though I already pay an effective rate of 40% taxes. Even though I'm already giving you guys a butt-ton of my money every year. I would love to pay you more. That's exactly what I would like to hear. Hmm. Mr. Biden wants the U.S. to achieve net zero carbon emissions by 2050. Hmm. But, Mr. Biden... Didn't you know that AOC said that we only have 12 years left? That's, that's, that's only 2031. How are we going to be to zero in 2050? Well, I guess if we're all dead, that's going to work, right? We're all dead and Joe Biden gets his way. He gets to write a book. He becomes a, a multi-millionaire. It'll be like Bernie Sanders, him and him and Bernie Sanders sitting on a, a pile of, of cash and money and gold coins. Like in, uh, what was that show? Duck Dynasty. Um, not Duck Dynasty. Wow. Wow. DuckTales. Woohoo. They're sitting there on a pile of money and DuckTales. And they're just saying, oh, you <laughs> oh, you guys want to be rich like me? You guys want to be rich like me? Go write your own New York Times bestseller. <sighs> uh. Yet he offers little specifics about how to get there. On his first day, he would sign a series of new executive orders with unprecedented reach to put us on the right track. 
Joe Biden says all the cows are going to be eliminated. All of the cars will be destroyed. All of the airplanes will be no more except for Air Force One because I like that one. Maybe Marine One. We'll keep we'll keep the one helicopter, one airplane. And that's it. We'll get rid of everything. We'll destroy the country. We will quickly uh, produce all the solar panels and windmills that we could ever want or desire over the next 50, 100 years. And then we'll destroy all the uh, all the fossil fuel utilizing uh, energy producers. We won't implement nuclear energy because that's way too efficient, way too effective, and way too safe. We got to stick to the solar panels. We got to stick. We got to stick to the bird killing wind turbines. That's what we need. And and just in case you guys are curious, no, wind turbines do not do not give you cancer. Um, <clears throat> then he would ask Congress to pass an enforcement mechanism requiring clear, legally binding emissions reductions. A carbon tax or cap and trade, he doesn't say. Duck Dynasty works too. <laughs> the former Veep would rejoin the Paris Agreement and push to make it stricter and stop countries from cheating by using America's economic leverage. In other words, tariffs. We can no longer separate trade policy from our climate objectives, the plan says. The Biden administration will impose carbon adjustments, fees, or quotas on carbon-intensive goods from countries that are failing to meet their climate and environmental obligations. Mm. Well, if you guys don't want to make it, we're going to destroy your economy. We're going to take away your ability to sell your goods and services to another country. And then that will reduce your emissions because now you're not doing as much work. Your country craps out. Sorry. Sorry you guys live in one of those quote-unquote shitholes. I apologize. I didn't realize. I didn't realize that that's why you guys weren't advancing. But uh, sucks to suck, guys. We're in the 21st century. Get out of the 19th century, all right? All right? Can we just... Can we just... Can you guys just get with the program, please, for me? I'm Joe Biden. I'm Joe Biden. (sighs) The bulk of Mr. Biden's document is a wish list with dozens of bullet points. A sample, developing rigorous new fuel economy standards aimed at ensuring 100% of new sales for light and medium-duty vehicles will be electrified. It doesn't mean in the way of like an electric fence where you hop in your car, you turn it on, and suddenly you're electrocuted. No, no, no. Of course, he's talking about having electric-made vehicles. And of course, what what do we generate all that electricity with? Oh, fossil fuels. That's right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I ever got the idea that this was going to – having an electric vehicle was going to make it somehow to where we have less emissions. Not to mention that if we look at things like the Prius or or any of the actual full-on electric vehicles, that if you get into a car accident pretty early in the car's life and you actually total that vehicle, you do more damage with that car than what you would do with the Dodge Ram 2500 diesel Cummings with twin stacks out the back, chipped it so you can roll coal every day of the week. Doesn't matter. Because the front-loading on being able to make and produce these vehicles... These electric vehicles right now in this day and age produces more carbon emissions than rolling coal every day of the week with your Dodge Ram 2500. And, and if that truck lasts for five years, ten years. Man. Thanks, Joe Biden. Woo! All right. <clears throat> Supporting these electric cars with more than 500,000 new public charging outlets by the end of 2030. So 
So we'll have we'll have more public charging outlets, and we'll have any way of producing that because uh, mm. making progress towards the completion of the California High Speed Rail project. So we're going to take that money that Trump was trying to reject from them or, or revoke from them, send that back down to California because California's got the right idea, high speed rail all the way. While starting the construction of an end-to-end high-speed rail system that will connect the coasts. Mm. Spending $400 billion on research and development to to develop game-changing technology such as small modular nuclear reactors. Ooh. And carbon capture uh, sequestration. I like that, that the small modular nuclear reactors. I would love to have a small little nuclear reactor in my house. That would be a great time every time. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, baby, put that lead in my house. I need, I need, I need a couple more ten thicknesses. Working towards a target of reducing carbon footprint of the U.S. by building stock fifty percent. Target of reducing the carbon footprint of the U.S. building stock fifty percent by twenty thirty five, using zoning as a tool to battle climate change. By altering local regulations to eliminate sprawl and allow for denser, more affordable housing near public transit. So they just want to consolidate everyone in the country. Sorry, do you guys like having land? Do you like having a couple acres of land? No, 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 no. You're going to have to... Everyone tighten up. We're going to have one little tower in each city. It's going to be a a thousand floors high. And everyone's going to have to live in this one building. That way we can make sure that everyone takes the same bus to work. Ban new oil and gas permitting on public lands and waters. Conserving 30% of America's lands and waters by 2030. Oh, man. Yeah. So Joe Biden, he's on top of it, guys. He's ready. He's ready to rock and roll with this. Mm, South Carolina with feds totally 40% tax rate. Whoa. Hey, I I may have slightly been exaggerating. I don't exactly remember the percentage of of how much my taxes are, but it's much larger than what I would have hoped for. All right, uh, plus 77 to 14% for the Social Security Trust, a.k.a. Slush Fund. How do y'all live? Uh, frugally. Pension pennies over here. Uh, if they really wanted nuclear, they would just deregulate it and let companies start building them. The technology is 70 years old, and even the newest advances are 10 to 15 years old. No need for research. Yeah, and I mean, right now what, with nuclear power, we're looking at... Um, the old technology, the technology of Chernobyl, of, of Three Mile Island and all those and, and anything that's running right now, these are all fission reactors. Or sorry, yeah, fission reactors. And so that means that you're having uh, a, an excited little material and that blows up, that separates out and that releases a bunch of energy. And then from that, um, that's where you, you get the heat, which creates the spinny spinny, creates power and whatnot. Um Research and development, if we can figure out how to use fusion, right? Taking two cells, bringing them together. You get a lot more energy out of that. And, but the pro- but the problem is, is it doesn't occur nearly as often. So it's, it's much more random. You'll have much more higher spikes of power and uh, longer lows. So if we research and develop that, move towards the way of fusion, we can have larger energy sources um, with, with some pretty extensive research and development but that would mean that we would have to open that up to the free market and allow the free market to make these decisions because let's face it we're a lot smarter than the government is and i'm saying we as a collective the 350 million people in this country are a lot smarter 
as a collective than the couple thousand people in the federal government. So let's just go ahead and uh, let's let's use our brains for a little bit and allow more people to have uh, have an opinion to have a say in this. Um, nuclear power is always a fun fun talk. <laughs> mm, sorry. All right. <clears throat> Next up. We are going to talk about something that I'm, uh, I wouldn't say I'm passionate about, but it's something that I'm, I'm, I'm excited about. Did I just say I'm not excited about, but I'm excited about? I might have said that. And if I did, that's okay. We will get over it together. Um, but several United States states. Ugh, hold on. You guys, you guys are going to get this. Several United States states. Several United States states. Yeah. Good job, Independent. I'm here for you. Several United States states consider legislation to decriminalize prostitution. You can tell that this was, was written in, in, in the UK land. Because they, mm. <laughs> mm. Oh. several USS states. I can't get over that. I'm sorry. I need. I need a moment. <laughs> I didn't catch that in the in the in the pre uh, the pre show in the checking of it. The USSA. Hmm. Uh, all right. Marijuana has gone mainstream. Casino gambling is everywhere. And sports wagering is widespread. Could prostitution be next? Lawmakers across the country are beginning to reconsider how to handle prostitution as calls for decriminalization are slowly gaining momentum. Something I've been in favor of, right? There's nothing wrong with two people consenting to have sex. Nobody has an issue when two people consent to, to having sex with each other. No one has an issue. But as soon as you slide that nickel over and you say, hey, thanks. Oh, that's illegal. <laughs> sorry, we recorded it. We were giving her a front payment. She's a porn star. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Sorry, I got offended. I, I will, I will call off the SWAT team. I will get the ATF out of here. We're sorry about your dog. Decriminalization bills have been introduced in Maine and Massachusetts. A similar bill is expected to be introduced to the city council in Washington, D.C. in June. The lawmakers in Rhode Island are held hearings in April on a proposal to study the impact of decriminalizing prostitution. New York may be next. Some Democratic lawmakers are about to propose a comprehensive decriminalization bill that would eliminate penalties for both men and women engaged in prostitution as well as the Johns whom they service. I, I think it's really I think it's really um offensive the way that they just say that as well as the Johns whom they serve. 
I'm sure that if we legalize prostitution or decriminalize prostitution, like in this case, I'm pretty sure it'd be more than just Johns going out there and, and purchasing a service from another person. I'm sure that there may be a Tim, a Scott, a Bob, maybe even a Sally or two. How dare they? How dare they? Spike Cohen's got it right. So basically, they're legalizing porn without the cameras. This is about the oldest profession and understanding that we haven't been able to deter or end it in millennia. I think it's time to confront reality. The New York legislation appears unlikely to pass in the coming months, but the idea of decriminalization has already amassed a growing uh, coterie of prominent supporters suggesting that it might continue to gain traction. The debate is unquestionably polarizing in many circles, even among advocates for sex trafficked and abused women who fear that creating a legal path for prostitution will not eliminate, but rather encourage underground sex trafficking. Because if you legalize who you can go have sex with, and and let's say you have a midget, somebody who is short in stature, that may look like a a, a person of of young age, they wouldn't be good enough for people. And, And certainly, right, taking the risk out of it by allowing people to have this market, to open up another market within this country, I'm sure it means that those that are are in the in the in the black market. They would not see a drastic drop in their customer service base. I'm sure that everyone would rather go to somebody that they can't really watch or that they can't really see any transparency on, that they, they aren't even positive or sure that no one is – is um, they're going to go to the market that no one is guaranteed to be clean, that potentially you could be handling the pimp afterwards or the pimp could be handling you. Um, you know, people are going to make the the decision where it, there's a lot more risk to it. I really think that if if we look at this in, in a in a serious way, and oftentimes we talk about this with the the war on drugs, that if you enable a market by decriminalizing, if you enable people to be transparent with one another, and you say, "Look, I would like to buy X drug. I would like to buy X service." Um, Businesses are going to want to provide this to you and they're going to want to take care of you. And so in order to to maintain you as part of their customer base, they're going to give you as much transparency as possible. They're going to give you the best service for the best. Uh, I mean, they're going to give you the best bang for your buck. You know what I'm saying? It's they're going to be trying to take care of you, the customer, and you're just trying to get your rocks off. Or if, if you're a girl, uh, just trying to. Trying to get the DJ scratch going. But uh, it's... I think decriminalizing is certainly is the best way because we would be fighting against the black market. We'd be reducing the necessity for human trafficking. And and by doing that, um, we can enable more people to make uh, poor decisions for themselves if that's what they decide to do. Go to your comments. Uh, it's a moral government was moral was morality police. Big prison industry is lobbying against decriminalizing vice. Yes, yes, absolutely, right. Of course, the prison system likes it whenever you have any reasons for people to to come and be a part of their customer base. They they're protected and they want to be able to provide that. So that right there, they are um, they're sticking it to the people. 
And they don't want you to have your freedoms to make um, good or bad decisions for yourself. Hmm. All right. I promised you guys I was going to leave you on a, a cliffhanger. And so before I do that, if there is a topic that I have not covered from this last week, if you have something you would like to call in and talk about, the phone number is right there on the top of the screen, 802-671-5328. Oh, Matt or Spike sent me a personal message. Why are where are you seeing these comments that aren't on the chat feed? Well, so for some reason, Periscope is only populating uh, on my pullout chat. And then only Facebook and YouTube is showing up on the, the video stream. So between those two, I've got all of you guys. And I think that that's the only way that we're going to be able to function and continue on. Um, but in the interim... I can't I can't get Facebook to ever ever accept on there. Um but yes, if you guys want to call in 802-671-5328 and in the meantime, I do have one more story that I'm going to cover before before we get to the cliffhanger. Before I lead you guys to the edge and leave you questioning everything. The parents of a Florida 12-year-old girl who called an Uber to transport her to a secluded location where she then committed suicide are demanding changes at the company regarding minors. At a press conference in Orlando parking garage where the daughter's body was recovered, Leisha Chen and Ronald Diamond told reporters on Thursday that the company should have done more to prevent um, Benetta Diamond, or BB, from getting there in the middle of the night without her parents' knowledge. That day, if the Uber driver had done his job right, we would have seen the red flag because I always knew where my daughter was. That day, if the Uber driver had done his job right, I believe that if you if you have the Uber app on your phone, if you were to open that Uber app right now and say, I want to go to this location, I'm right here, the Uber driver's job is to come to right here to pick you up and then drive you to said location. His job is not to question you. His job is not to interrogate you to figure out why you're going. His job is to pick you up and to drop you off. So um, that day, if the Uber driver has done his job right, we would have seen the red flag. He picked up the customer, drove the customer to the location. He did the job right. You didn't see the red flag because why? Because I always knew where my daughter was. You didn't know where she was that night. Um, it's not that I don't feel sympathy. It's horrible that your daughter uh, committed suicide, but you're looking to blame Uber for this. Benita reportedly downloaded an Uber's app in January while her mother was asleep before hailing a car and riding to the closed parking garage, apparently completing the trip without question from the driver. She paid the for the ride using a gift card she got for Christmas. Benita then jumped to her death from the parking garage located behind Orlando City Hall, according to the Sentinel. Her trip occurred despite Uber's guidelines that say drivers should check IDs of those they perceive to be underage and refuse service to unattended minders. Like what String is saying down below, my friend drives Uber and says many divorced parents use them so to bring kids so they don't have to see each other. 
As a driver partner, you should decline the ride request if you believe the person requesting the ride is under 18. When picking up riders, if you feel they're underage, you may request they provide a driver's license or an ID card for confirmation. If a rider is underage, please do not start the trip or allow them to ride. So I guess the Uber has their own clarification on that. Um, Uber, Uber was slightly in the wrong, but I think that certainly blaming Uber for this um, is still outside the the realms of of who to blame. If you're a mom, how dare you sleep while your child lives, while they exist? But on a serious note, um, the family has not filed a lawsuit and told reporters on Thursday that they are interested in, in change at the company, not the money. So if they were already the guidelines, there's not going to be really a change for the company. Uh, this will not happen to another child or teenager if I don't do anything right now. Or this will happen to another child. Uh, if I don't make sure Uber or Lyft or any share ride company enforces their policy, they have a policy in place, but if they don't enforce it, it's useless. I can agree with that. But... The whole entire thing, right, is that there's plenty of reasons why people take rides and, and to say, look, if you're under 18, you can't use our services. Um, what do you do if you're like 17 and you're working or if you're 16 and you're working? Like that's that's really – if Uber's going to say, look, you're, you're, you're not quite old enough. You're not an adult. I can't drive you to your work. I can't move you around. I think that's kind of a, a an overbearing system because now you have to go through the regular taxi company to get that. And then would she also hold? Would they hold the the taxi company liable? Like if if the child was able to find a phone book somewhere in the world, if there are phone books that still exist, open it up, find the taxi company, call them, and and I mean she was on her phone. She could have googled it. Would it be the taxi company's fault? I, like I just I look at this and it's just it's just not not something uh, it's certainly not something that I like right I don't like that that people are committing suicide obviously suicide is wrong it's it's not something that uh, it's something that we as a community we as a society we as as individuals should be working out there to try to make sure that less people are committing suicide not more um, and it, it's it's a problem. Hmm grow up their decision and their consequences. Yeah. Um, but going after Uber for that, I, I just, I don't agree with it. All right. So it's time. It's time to leave you guys to bid you all adieu with this last story. Former Arkansas State Senator Linda Collin Smith reportedly found shot to death at her home. A former Arkansas state senator was reportedly found dead at her home this week, and authorities are investigating her death as a homicide. Now, the reason why I'm going to leave you guys questioning everything is because she's not the only one that was shot and killed in the last week. Where was it? There was a second individual. Actually, I've got it right over here. Um, There was a second individual. Two Republican lawmakers, Linda Collins and Jonathan Nichols, were both murdered in their homes this week. Now, both of these individuals were working on a, a premise. They were working off of a premise in trying to obtain information, damning information about sex trafficking circles involving judges. 
And both of these individuals were murdered in their own homes. Obviously not the same home as one another, but they, uh, it leads you down a path of questioning, right? It's kind of it makes you wonder what is actually going on to lead to two people being shot and killed in their own home. Thankfully, they're both not saying that they're suicide by two shots at the back of the head because, uh, you know, that would be a Clinton-esque kind of thing. But I have not seen the body, and the judges, um, certainly when it comes to Linda Collins, have already sealed it up and in, in preventing in information from being released on that one. So uh, I will leave you guys with that. You guys can form your own thoughts, your opinions on that one. Um, I just... I think it's a it's a scary scary world out there. So try to do the right thing, and sometimes you get shot. You do what you can, and and do it to your best of your ability. And sometimes that's uh, enough to warrant a forty five or a nine or whatever whatever caliber of bullets that took these people out. So thank them for for their service. If that's if that was the path, whether that was the path or not that that led them to their death. Um, Thank them for um, for doing what they could on that, because obviously sex trafficking circles are are bad. Okay, and um, we gotta get through that. So with that, guys, I'm gonna wrap up the entire week here from Money Waters Media. Um, we're gonna start back up on Monday, of course, with me, Mr. Merka, the Bearded Truth, Jason Lyon, and then Tuesday night with Spike and Matt on uh, the Muddy Waters of Freedom show. Wednesday night with Spike Cohen on My Fellow Americans. Thursday night with Matt Wright. And then finishing off the week with me once again, Mr. Merka, the Bearded Truth, Jason Lyon. If you guys have not been following, if you have not subscribed, um, you can find us on so many platforms. All the platforms. You can find us on YouTube, Muddy Waters of Freedom. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Muddy Waters of Freedom. You can find us on Twitter on Periscope. If you are following from Mr. Bearded Truth's Periscope, you got to follow us over there on Muddy Waters. We will be cutting this off eventually. Um, that is muddied underscore waters over there on the Twitter and Periscope land. And, of course, muddiedwatersoffreedom.com. Now, if you want to take us on the go, bring us to work, bring us to the gym, um, just be able to drown out the relatives that you're hanging out with, take us on your podcast app. Go find us on anchor.fm. Follow us over there. Take take us with you wherever you go. And uh, we'll be able to provide this great content to you guys regardless of when and how you listen to us. Um, so thank you guys all. I look forward to seeing you guys on Monday night. And remember, do not drink and drive or ride with those who do. You have family and friend who cares about you and love you deeply. And they want you to get back here safe for Monday night to start the whole week all over again. I am Mr. Murka, the Bearded Truth, Jason Lyon. I hope you guys have a great night and enjoy your weekend.